All right. Yay. It worked. Look at that. I'm learning stuff. Okay. So all you got to do is do the bumper where you say, hey, this is Alex and Lex. Al- really? Alex really? And Alex and This is Alex and Lex. I've been renamed. I can't look at your name and say it at the same time. So the Skype <laughs> the window X's. has got the Alex, Alex and <laughs> Alex and Lex, Alex and Lex. I don't know why I do that. Allison. You know what? It happened. I was on a telesummit and, and the same thing happened. She called me Alex and Lex. That's awesome. And it's when the, I used the to. The X is there and it's like, it must be Alex. It's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you know what to say. Just say it. <laughs> this is Alex and Lex and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer. That's right. Um, I can say it again a little bit better. If you you have like. to say it really cool. You got to right. say like, hey, this is Alex and Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, go, do it. Now, are you, do you only have listeners on iTunes or do you have a website too? I have a website too. All right. Is it vroomvroomveer.com? Yeah. Okay. Now I got to make sure I don't say my name wrong. Um... It's Allison Lex. (laughs) (laughs) I did it. Yay. (laughs) Hey, this is Allison Lex, and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer at vroomvroomveer.com. Woo. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. All right. I can do another one on iTunes. No, that's fine. You're cool. I don't know. I think but you should say, this is Alex. This is Alex. Put your URL in there. Okay. From rockyourmarketing.com. All right. And your, like that. All right. Hi, this is Allison Lex from rockyourmarketing.com. And you're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer. Yay. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Alexon. Just call me Alex. Your Alex name's Alex now. Actually, you know what's really funny is um, when I sign my name, I typically use my first initial and my last name. Alex. Is Alex. That's awesome. So I am Alex and Lex. You are. <laughs> Alex and Lex. It's, it's a true. thing now. Now I'm just going to have to call you Alex. And- just all the time. <laughs> all the time. That's it. That's all right. I had, I had a grandfather with Alzheimer's and my, a cousin named Ashley. So I'll answer to <laughs> Hello, welcome to the show. Welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer. Thank you for being here. Today, uh, get ready to laugh even more, you know, because I usually laugh like a lot. So, um, have you ever met somebody that, uh, like, Allison and I have never met in person, but like we hit it off like right away. So she was on my last podcast and uh, we hit it off right away. We're like laugh compatible. So we're both real easy to laugh. So if you're not into that, this might not be the show for you. That's okay. So Allison is at rockyourmarketing.com and uh, um, she's into her own She's got her own marketing thing, so um, you can go to her, and she's got services, and you can check those out. She started uh, started off wanting to be a teacher, and she tells a story about that in the show, so I won't get too far into it. 
and then uh, got veered away from that and uh, ended up working for um, Glazer Kennedy, the insider circle over there. Uh, I've heard of those guys before. They're very big in the marketing world. So she worked there for a while um, and then eventually uh, decided to do her own thing as people are choosing to do these days. Um, This is fun because... mm, I learned a lot of uh, things that I didn't know uh, about Allison, other than, you know, she's just a blast to talk to and funny and we laugh a lot. Um, but there's uh, there's some good nuggets in here. And, uh, and I think uh, we actually came up with a good part two. So uh, I don't want to give anything away. And uh, there's m- way too much ado already. So without further ado, my chat and way too much laughing with Allison Lex of rockyourmarketing.com. Enjoy. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Hey, Allison Lex, thanks for coming to my show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this format and this topic and, and see what we can get out of it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> wanting to hear your stories because this show is all about stories and rooming and veering. So I'm let's, rooming and veering, sounds yeah, fun. Yeah, let's get into <laughs> it. So I know a little bit about you. I know a little bit about your business and I know when we <laughs> hang out and chat, it's just a blast. <laughs> we have we laugh a lot more than I think most people do. Right, um, I think you're right. We're we're like laugh compatible. <laughs> we really laugh. I like that. We're compatible. We're laugh, laughter compatibility partners here. Right. We're we're both <laughs> that the the easy to laugh type. Yes. Type personality. Right. Yeah, definitely. Which is good. Yeah. We uh, the, it is the world good. needs more laughing. It is. Yeah. It does. It it laughter. I think is is what's going to eventually save everybody from themselves. I just, uh, I don't know how old you are. I know you're younger than me, but I'm 46. So that makes me a Gen Xer, right? And I, I am, yeah, go ahead. I'm not, a, I'm not a Gen Xer. I am technically a millennial, which I don't identify with 95% of them. I'm 30. Okay. And I think millennials, um, as of today, which is in 2015, <laughs> millennials go up to 32. Okay. So, so you're um, technically well. There's t- there's a couple of generations inside of millennials. I think I really believe that. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're 30, you're yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's technically a millennial. You're not Gen X, but yeah, you're mm-hmm. cuspy, right? I'm cuspy. Yes, cuspy. I like that word, cuspy. Yes, you're cuspy. <laughs> I'm I'm full on Gen X. And here's the thing about Gen X is <clears throat> that I didn't know is I always considered myself mm, at least for like the last maybe 20 years or so pretty much an optimist but Mm -hmm. then i realized that there was this underlying current of cynicism Mm. right Mm -hmm. and yeah and that's a gen x thing yes it is there's there's and this thing that uh it's like i think it's why the walking dead tv show is so damn popular it's because (laughs) some part of all of our generation just wants all of the world to blow up and go away even at the expense of the walking dead (laughs) 
You know, it's funny that you mention that because I feel like if if I pick up any Gen X qualities, that's some of it is I have that dose of cynicism and um I'm I'm eerily into post-apocalyptic stuff. Like there was that series Life After People on oh, right. I don't know, Discovery yeah, Channel yeah, yeah. or something. I love all that crap. Oh. I have found that on YouTube since and like I've made a playlist and favorited it and watched it over like Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. am eerily into post-apocalyptic stuff, so I, I can see this whole it's it's this uh, world it's, ending. It's thing. like this thing about like uh, that we got programmed with like screw the man, right? Yeah, and I, I and I, I don't know where it came from, but I know it exists. Anyway, yeah. uh, the the the, <laughs> the reason why I bring it up is because uh, I talked to another guest, and and she was like. I think she's probably in the boomer category, but she was talking mm-hmm. about this this cynicism that we have, the, our generation. Mm-hmm. And then she said, you know, you really, yes, all of those things are probably true that you're whining about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you you can't discount how cool where you live is. You know, you know yeah. go to some other part of the world where they don't have, you know, like flush toilets. Mm-hmm. And then you'll realize, hmm, yeah, those are pretty cool, aren't they? You know, yeah. and you can like, and, and then she started comparing things to like uh, back in the day when you couldn't leave your village to do anything without being killed. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's definitely, a, but that's very Walking Dead. So I don't know, you know, I mean, there's that safety of your, of your, of your tribe. It's basically versus the non-safety of out there. Right. Well, you know, the world was like that for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And well, it's and I not think too, now. <laughs> no, no. And, and you I can think go to China that, and get naked and be rubbed by a stranger for money. Um, you could, if that was something you well, really wanted like, to do. <laughs> you, and you can go to China and get a massage. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not going to kill you. I think that right there is the power of storytelling because those were two totally different images in my head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lesson learned for the episode. Episode over. Um, <laughs> um, no, but what I was going to say is, you know, my generation, we have some of that optimism of the boomer generation. And I think that ours comes from the technological advances that we've grown up with and we're, we're seeing happen and, and our, our our excitement for what's next, you know, I mean, oh, especially right. millennials always, especially with technology, it's all about hopping right onto the next big technology thing and yeah. social media and all what's that. What's going to so, be the next Uber? What's going to be the Uber of X? You know, that's, exactly. That's the question that millennials like to ask. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I have a nice delicate blend. In I, my, I, I hope I, my, 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 my point came across that I'm trying to be less cynical. <laughs> It, it, it was getting there. It was, it getting, was there. getting there. It was getting there. I think I'm still a very, very cynical guy. That's okay. That's okay. At least I know now. That's right. That's so let's right. get into one of your uh, your Veer stories. Okay. So I have to start with some rooms, right? Yes, sure. The, okay. So my first, I, I think I've kind of got three three Veer stories to share. So I'm okay. going to go in chronological order. Perfect. That's usually how it works. That works for me. Okay. So this one is, um, I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school. So a super fun time in my life. Glasses, you know, smart, not skinny. It was great. It was awesome. <laughs> um, 
Right. Okay. Especially coming out of middle school, man. It was the time of my life. Sure. And oh, don't forget I, pimples. Oh well, yeah. That we gave up trying to get rid of those. <laughs> um, we just had to grow out of that. Right. But I got a sinus infection, and that doesn't sound like a big deal. But what happened is the you know you go to the doctor, you get a Z pack, you sinus infection if if you like antibiotics, I do. And, um, the infection went away. I could breathe. My nose didn't feel like it had, you know, peas stuck up it. Sure. That's good news. I'm trying to be be really detailed here because (laughs) I think it's appropriate. Okay. And unfortunately what happened was that the headache didn't go away. Wow. Okay. So when you have a sinus infection, a lot of times you get really bad headache with it and that's stuck around. Hmm. So I went from being a normal kid with admittedly, I mean, it was high school. Let's face it. I was a 14 year old girl. So, um, I cried a lot anyway. Right. And then (laughs) you have pain, uh, chronic pain. Like I woke up in the morning and my head hurt. I went to bed at night and my head hurt and it always hurt. It didn't stop hurting. And And the doctors were baffled. So I was, yeah, I started going to, I went to my regular doctor and he made sure I didn't still have a sinus infection and, um, that was the first time that somebody pushed antidepressants on me. What? And so wow. then I went to a, went to a neurologist, right? My, your head hurts, you go to a neurologist. And that was the second time that somebody pushed antidepressants on me. What? And I this went to a crazy. different, I went to oh. a different neurologist. Okay. And that was the third time that somebody pushed antidepressants on me. And I took them. Because wow. it's a doctor, and the doctor knows best. Sure. And, but my head still hurt, and so I went to a different neurologist, and I said, don't push antidepressants on me. And I stood up for myself, and he said, okay. And, oh, he was the best. He was this cute, old, little, short, Polish doctor, and he had the accent, and he said, M, M, M a lot. <laughs> and I just adore him uh, to this day. My theory. And, and, yes. Uh, he M- just the just and the best. <laughs> just that. I, I don't you know, know him, but I love him. He's awesome. Exactly. He was just I mean, a, an adorable. You know, you just wanted to hug him, and so he was the first one in this series to not push antidepressants on me and to actually listen to me and to begin to work to treat me. And so I worked with him for a couple of years to try and figure out. And and throughout that time, I had uh, some some spinal taps. Those are fun. Whoa. Wow. And I've had four of those. Yikes. And so I was diagnosed with something called pseudotumor cerebri, which um, there's a a twist in this story too. But so basically it means, it literally means false brain tumor. And what it means is that that you have too much spinal fluid. Your body either is producing it too quickly or absorbing it too slowly because you consistently produce a new supply. And it builds up and it puts pressure on your brain. And in severe cases, it can be really bad. It can lead to um, blindness and, and a lot of whole, a whole host of big issues. Yeah. And so we maintained this for a while. We did some, some medications. And uh, one of the treatments is a, a diuretic that they use actually for high blood pressure. So I was put on blood pressure medication at, at 17. And, wow. So um, they're basically banging rocks together. Yeah, well. Yeah. A little bit. 
Yeah, you like it's it's fun trying to figure out what works because it's not something that people know about. It's not something that is widely talked about. Headaches are an invisible illness. Chronic pain a lot of times is invisible. So right. it doesn't get the attention that um that a lot of the other big big diseases, if you will, get. So Yeah. There, well, you know, you know, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pause here just because yeah. um I learned that um I did a whole lot of massage school. So I did like the uh-huh. basic massage school where yeah. you learn how to work in a spa. Uh-huh. And then I went back and did this like a lot more medical uh-huh. medically medical kind therapy. of therapy. Well, it was ca- it was called neuromuscular therapy. Yep. And it's uh it's basically trigger point therapy. Uh-huh. But in that, I mean, we spent like just like it was just like hour after hour after hour learning about all the different things that can go wrong with the body that Absolutely. might have a muscular slash neurological kind of component mm-hmm. that Western medicine thoroughly just, you know, they don't, yeah. the basically uh, soft tissue is a, is an orphan um, organ yeah. in Western medicine because you can't do anything with it uh, with drugs. So yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> Well, when you started talking, I was like, wow, I, I wonder if she was getting any like head massage <laughs> or massage I, or anything yeah, like definitely. that. Yeah, yeah. I've done that. I've, I've actually gone to chiropractic and mm-hmm. things like that. So, and I did see some results there, and then the results did not, like, it made it worse. Oh, not so, cool. um, you know, my chiropractor noticed I have something called military neck, which is, right. um, I don't, I don't have the textbook curve in my neck. You have two curves, one in your, like, well, right, you, right. I know the curves. curves. Yeah. You know, the curves mm-hmm. I was trying, I was trying to be for the benefit of the audience, but there should be a curve in your neck. And, <laughs> and I don't you had, you had the wrong one or it was going uh, the wrong way. Right. It was a postural. Straight. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right, so right. we worked to, we tried to fix that, which was incredibly uncomfortable. And, and I, it just, yeah, went backwards in the pain department. So, mm. but so, um, you know, I took all these medications. I took an epileptic medication because it was proven to help with headaches. Like that's where headache research is, is you're lucky if a different medication for a different thing happens to have a side effect that works for you. Wow. Okay. Um, and then at one point I would just went into pain management mode because okay. there was no new medication for me to try. So you know those lawyer commercials where they're like, have you tried any of these medications? If so, you can be part of a class action lawsuit. Oh, I'm so like, you had a new career. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, there's my medical history. Right. Um, you know, because you something new comes out, you try it. And I've been dumping a whole lot of <laughs> really fun things right into my body and, and all of that stuff. So I went in pain management mode, which is really just kind of, listening to my body and understanding what makes it hurt and what makes it doesn't and what makes it doesn't. That's good. Allison, you're right. <laughs> what makes it not. Um, right, right. What makes you feel better. And, yeah. and then I decided I was going to go back and look for some solutions. So I went to a different neurologist because now I wasn't pediatric and he took away my diagnosis. And he said, this is not what you have. We don't know what you have again. And so that was like a whole, that was like a second veer because it pulled the rug out from me. Right. Now I'm just undiagnosed random pain. Mm. And, and um, that was in 2008. Okay. Wow. And it, my head still hurts. So it has yet to go away. It has been 16 years. Oh my goodness. Wow. So it, um, <sighs> there are a couple things I've learned and, you know, before we, 
started recording, you mentioned, oh, the story will become clear once you start talking. And damn, if you're not right. um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) I knew it would. I think the the biggest thing is really um, I had to stand up for myself and really learn to take control of my own self, my own. You have to be responsible for your well-being. I've, and and, I've and had to get like helpers. People can help you because they have yeah, expertise, mom, right? Mom but you're you're days. ultimately responsible <laughs> for what happens to your body. I well, and it it I had to say, don't give me any more antidepressants. What's well, like? Right. They're like, well, you're depressed. Well, no shit, I'm depressed. My head hurts. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I wouldn't on. be depressed if my head didn't like, hurt. <laughs> like, you no, know, you wake up with a migraine every day. See how cheery you are. Right. Ugh. Stop pushing these things down my throat, and I don't, yeah. I, you know. So um, after the show, um, uh-huh. uh, we'll hang out and chat for a little while, yeah. and I can give you some links and, and ideas of oh, things yeah, that great. it's there. Like the other things that I've heard have had sort of like the, you know, the fix air quotes uh, around them. Yeah, I'm actually going to – I'm yeah. looking for um, acupuncture in the Acupuncture area. was going to be yeah, one of my things. I'm gonna, I think that's the next thing I'm going to try. I don't know. What, where Where are you? Are you on the East Coast, on the West Coast? Yeah, I'm in Baltimore. Baltimore. You can find probably all the stuff that uh, – the other thing that, that jumps to mind would be uh, rolfing. I've, I've heard of a lot of people had all kinds of stuff that was chronic forever and then went to a rolfer – uh, Rolfer is like um, it's a it's a more specific form of manual therapy it's mm-hmm. to the point where they don't call themselves massage therapies therapists because it. people it's just a thing where if you say massage people have an idea of what happens during that thing right oh yeah it's like nice okay music, there's pretty music right right and you get to <laughs> order the person around like a slave exactly <laughs> yes and and. <laughs> Bless it. It's awesome. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's just so the thing that you're getting when you're going to a rolfer, the person touches your body, but they're in charge. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> because they're they're applying their uh, expertise in a system mm-hmm. that, you know, and you're involved. You know, there's feedback yeah. and, and they're talking. Um, and I think it's not cheap. It's usually not covered by insurance. And it's I think it starts at 10 sessions. But, I mean, right. it, it could... Theoretically, I've had a headache for 16 years, so at some point yeah. you're willing hey, to invest. You want it, you, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 right? There's that, and then like there's the pragmatic kind of line yeah. from uh, what is it? One of my favorite uh, movies back when I was a kid was um, War Games, mm-hmm. and uh, this crazy computer took over the nukes of the United States and they were going to launch it at Russia, and it the computer thought it was playing a game, so the mm-hmm. general was like. Hell, I'll piss on a spark plug if I think it thought it would help. <laughs> right. Yeah, like right. you, at, at some point you're willing to try just I mean, about anything. Uh, you I want mean, me to I rub like these, some mayonnaise yeah. on my head? Okay. <laughs> I've, yeah, I mean, I've I, well, and I've put all of these like crazy ass medications into my body. Right. I mean, at one point I was away at college taking this medication. I had to come home and like be cared for. Because and one medication, like half my face fell asleep. Like these things are were not like taking Tylenol. It like was major issues right. in my body. Right, and, and they always have side effects. Always, uh, always, always, always. I don't always. take a lot of medication now no, because me of the. I, I mean, goodness. And it's I weird so too because like body. 
a, a guy, a dude my age, right? When I went to see a VA doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And we were going in just because they ordered me to. It was kind of like my annual checkup. Right. And, um, and I showed up and I had gotten, I had really bad arthritis in my knees from 20 years of marching and standing and running and all yeah. the things that mm-hmm. they make you do in the military. That'll do it. So, yeah, that'll do it. And the doctor was like, so what are you on for your knees? And, and I'm like, meh, Tylenol and beer, but you know, only when it gets bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's like, really, you're not on a prescription. And I'm like, no, you want one? I'm like, no. <laughs> like I said, you know, now that I don't have to march anymore, it's much better. You know? you know, and my mom, I remember my mom telling me she went to a new doctor one time and her doctor was asking what medicine she was on. And my mom was like, nothing. Sometimes I take ibuprofen. Right. And I mean, this was a few years ago and she's since had some arthritis issues in her back. So she takes more, but she still doesn't take anything prescription. She's doing the physical therapy. So that's good. I mean, that's just what we do. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Vicodin is in the cabinet. Mm -hmm. The the level 10 days are no joke. Mm -hmm. That's part of understanding your body is knowing when to cry uncle. Right. The thing. Uh Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, I don't have anything against anything any one Me thing neither. it's You've just gotta not what's best for you right it's not but it you know not everything is can be solved by a pill and and i think that or that's surgery, really important you for know. people to understand right. and now you know i i'm the first one to say i had a, a weird little ganglion cyst on my wrist but mm. it was pressing onto the nerve of my dominant hand and i Yikes. was like this needs to be cut out yes. like this needs like there's a point I'll deal with right. it, you know, and it's actually coming back. So that sucks. But <laughs> like that well, hurt, you know, I think, packed, right. But it's in Ugh. a different spot. So Ugh. it's not hitting that nerve. Yeah. Like we it's talked next to it. We talked a lot about that in, um, in our massage class and mm-hmm. the instructor had a client and, um, and basically she went and started doing her thing and doing the assessment and figuring out where to go with his with his you know manual therapy treatment plan basically not treatment uh-huh. but whatever you know plan and uh-huh. um and she basically got to the point where said she said no you need to have the surgery i can't uh-huh. i can't help you until this nope. this that and this is fixed and he At fought it point. and she and she he, she was like you know, I'm not a doctor, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you until you go have the surgery because you just really need it, you know? And, um, and so he did eventually go get that surgery, but he was Mm -hmm. like one of those that was holding out. Um, so yeah, sometimes surgery is the answer. It's just, I I would say it's not the first answer. It doesn't have to be. No, I would say it's the last answer after you've exhausted lots of other tests and assessments and stuff. Yeah. But like I said, it's definitely part of knowing your body and standing up for your health is knowing when to say, okay, I've tried this way. Now I need to go this, this route and and knowing when to quote unquote cry uncle. I mean, I'm not getting anything done when my head hurts at a 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. It's just not happening. Right. So I take yeah. a pill and I, I, I take a nap. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> That's um, what yes. I got to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My wife has, uh, has migraines. So sometimes mm-hmm. if she's yeah. gotten really, really adept at not getting migraines, but if she gets yeah. one, she's basically out for a day, maybe yep. more, you know, yep. where she just has to remove herself from light. <laughs> 
and, yeah, and take sleep and you <laughs> know take her drugs sometime. dark yeah exactly oh. yeah so so okay well let's move on to your your next veer story all right so um this is well the first veer story kind of ended with today so i'm gonna take out that chronological thing that's fine but um you can go back college. in time and, and there you go we're gonna we're gonna go back in time jump back, back in into the tardis do you know what the tardis is <laughs> i do know what the tardis Yay! is I'm very, very big geek Woo! um <laughs> so i was in college and i was um i was an elementary education major so i wanted to be a fourth grade teacher oh that was a and best. I had changed a little bit. I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. Then I wanted to be a fifth grade teacher. Then I was like, fourth grade's where it's at, you know? And I was, right. So I was L-Ed and I was like, all right. And I was going through college and then I, I thought, you know, I really, I like the kids, but I really want to teach bigger kids. So I wanted to be a high school English teacher. So that was a little mini beer. And, okay. but not really because a lot of the same classes. Right. And I took this class and it was about secondary assessments or something like that. And I was like, oh, I need this class for my major. And I took this class and I get in there and I didn't need the class for my major. I needed it if I was already a teacher and I was going to continue my education. It was a continuing ed for, for teacher certification. And I decided to stick with it because I don't know. Actually, I don't know why I stuck with it. I think I didn't realize that I didn't need the class until like a month in. And by then I was committed because <laughs> that's like the stupidest reason to keep a class ever. But I'll take it. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I've already taken a month. I might as well go for another three. Um, and it was full of teachers, right? So these teachers had 10 years of experience. And I thought, man, this is some really good insight. That's cool. And you I'm can pick their brain, right? Yeah. And um, we're going to veer here because not one of those people was happy. Mm, right. Why? Because of, because of their job. Mm. But what part of their job did did you get into? The the assessments and the the politics and yeah, the yeah. politics of teaching and the ungrateful nature of those spoiled brat kids and those wow. ass, the asshole parents. Right, and right, right. The whole job, not one of the and like they were so unhappy that I was in there with my idealism and my naive, na- naivete. I don't know how to say that word. Na- naive state of being. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, <laughs> is it naivety or naivete or na- whatever? I've heard of um, both. I think it's na- I've heard naivete more. <laughs> I think so too, but my Baltimore accent makes that tough for me to get out. So I'll just go with innocence. <laughs> um, there you go. And they like they did the oh, what a dear, oh, bless her heart, kind of attitude, like, oh, she'll learn. Right, right, right. And I realized, no, 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 Maybe no. I won't. No, I'm not going to learn because this this bullshit, bull, bull malarkey, bullshit, whatever there you, you want to say. There yes. we go. I'm yes, going to be yes. a grown-up. I can say the shit word. Um, <laughs> and I, so I said, you know, that was my last semester as an education major. Wow. And it. Um, and how far had you gone down that road now? What were you in your third year, fourth year? <laughs> I was still at a junior, uh, like a community college. Oh, I was okay. In, like, good my, news. I was in like my third year of a two-year school. Okay. So <laughs> why not? Oh yeah, sure. Um, it took me twenty years to get a four-year degree. So. I, right. Um. Well, I'm on. I'm on par to to match that pace. Cool. Um, but I had wanted to be a teacher since I can remember. Like, I think I had two jobs that I ever wanted to do. When I was little, I distinctly remember telling my mom that when I grew up, I wanted to be a cashier at Rite Aid. 
Um, high aspirations. <laughs> very high aspirations. Um, but then after that, I wanted to be a teacher. Right. And I was, I was seven. Wow. And what, what the hell am I going to do? Where, what, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know what else is out there. Like every test, every one of those stupid career aptitude tests that they take, make you take, every single one of them said teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay. In hindsight, I probably skewed the results because I knew what I wanted to be. So why not just make it match? Like I'm, <laughs> like I, we all like, do that. Yeah, we all do transparent. that. Transparent. You can pretty yeah. much tell what answer to pick to get what you want. Right. Um, because now I can make them all say marketer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you know, but how do I? What do I do? What do I? I don't even know. I don't know who I am anymore. It was like a total existential crisis at 23 years old. Wow. I yes. just had no idea. And now most of my friends had already graduated college with their degrees and like were, you know, doing job things. Yes. And I being grownups. Being grownups. And I worked at a bar, which was awesome. Mm. Like, let's face it. Free drinks are no joke. But right. how long can, how long did I want to do that? That Not wasn't so what long. I wanted right. to do. Right, right. It wasn't the life I wanted. And, um, I decided to, to leave school after, I I mean, I was in school for another probably year, maybe a year and a semester. And then I left school because I didn't know what to do. And I, I thought I need to get a, I need to get a big girl job. I need to get like a full-time job that pays health insurance. And so I can stop cobbling together these $8 an hour minimum wage part-time jobs which right. now i'm like man you get 15 dollars an hour minimum wage i worked for 675 and was happy seriously oh. anyway <laughs> it just oh, depends on, on on where you live you know? i know yeah. i know well i lived with my mom so that helped yeah <laughs> right um and so i got a big girl job at this marketing company called glazer kennedy insider circle i heard of them me too. Well, not before I right. got the job. And I was an administrative assistant. And mm. three years fast forward, I was running the marketing department and I had a career. And Holy now I have a cow. business. Wow. Like, now, let yeah. me ask you what they had. What did they, uh, just curiosity, what did they have you doing when you were an administrative assistant? Just sort of like typing letters and answering the phone or running programs? What, what does an admin um, assistant do? Well, an administrative assistant, it, it depends on the company that you're with, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was supporting um, with different projects. I, I ran a lot of reports at Glazer Kennedy. I ran a lot of reports. I formatted documents. Mm-hmm. I, uh, did you work up like slideshows and stuff? I did some slideshows. I worked right. with vendors. I did a lot of markety things that I didn't know were markety at the time. And then. Okay. Obviously, I showed an aptitude for that, for the creative side as well, and then became the marketing coordinator, and then eventually was, you know, I got that corner office, so that was nice. Yeah, that's pretty Um, cool. But I never would have had that if I was a teacher, because I I would have been doing something that I thought was different, or I thought would be making me happy, or I would be trying to make it make me happy, or I might be happy. I don't know. That's not the life, that's not the way life went. That's not the road I went down because I was in a room full of people and they didn't look happy. They didn't look like they were having any fun. Right. 
Right, and right. in our conversations, I think that's the one thing we've always had is fun. The same thing happened to me when I was doing my, uh, I did a degree in psychology. Uh-huh. So it was, a, I was, it's a little bit different scenario though than, yeah. than what you were doing because I had just retired from the Air Force, right? So that meant that I had a half a paycheck for the rest of my life, guaranteed, which is awesome. But you yeah. know, I had to put up with you know twenty years of Air Force stuff. Right. So, um, I also the other another awesome thing was uh there was this thing called the post nine eleven GI Bill, uh-huh. and that on not only paid uh, all of your tuition, but it would give you uh, a housing allowance, which was mm-hmm. significant um, for every yeah. month that you were going to school for up to thirty six months. Mm. So I and I had already all of my transfer credits did the first two years of the degree. So I only had to do about a year and a half ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing is all of the instructors, all the people, because I went to University of Phoenix for psychology. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And all of those folks have to be working in the field. So uh, they were yeah. all working psychologists. Uh-huh. And I like them all. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I like them all. They were all like wonderful people and, and you know, giving. Mm-hmm. Um, I just realized that I didn't want any of their jobs. Yeah. And it wasn't that they weren't happy. It's just that it, it, it was different than what I thought it might be like, you know. I feel like that might actually be the problem that so many people have is you have this idea of what working in a specific job is going to be like, what your life is going to look like. Right. And that's because all you see is the fun, glamorous stuff. Like all I saw were these, te- you know, I thought about the teacher that made this such a difference in my life. And, you know, I mean, I'm still greatly impacted by these teachers that have made such a huge difference in my life. And I wanted that for myself. I wanted to be that person to make a difference. But then how many of my classmates are sitting there? I mean, at the reunion, like, oh man, you had that teacher. What a big jerk. I mean, I don't want those kids, mm-hmm. those little jerks in my class, like right. get out of my class. I want just the kids that are going to appreciate <laughs> what I do for them. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and, you're right. So you see the glamorous side of a, of a job and then you're, the reality hits that, that this isn't necessarily the, the most fulfilling thing in the world. And I think that that even happens as a business owner. We talk about all the time, oh, I get to build my business to do everything that I love. And I do. I get to do what I love. But I also have to do some stuff I don't love. Right. And just because it's my business, I can't necessarily just pawn that off on somebody else. It's my job. Mm-hmm. It's what I do. It's my business, and I've got to still do that. So it really doesn't matter what I'm doing. There's always going to be parts that don't work for me. But I was able to say most of that's not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've got to go find something else. And it You've was, got to have something that, that serves you um, exactly. while you're serving it, you know, sort of thing. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. and it's got to be worth it. That's, right. It's, right. It's got to be you worth know, it. Exactly. For you. That's it. You know, if if there's like this crap that you just loathe doing, I mean, right. at least you're doing it for you. Right. In service well, to you to and it. your stuff. I get to do it in my pajamas. Exactly. The pajama claws. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think I think the last time we talked, I talked about my hot pink sweatpants. That's right. I get to do it in my hot pink sweatpants. I'm good. There you, you go. Know? Yes. That's, so it that was that was probably the most 
impact one of the most impactful years because it completely changed the road I was on but thank goodness you took that class right could you oh I would be such a because I just uh, let's see for like about (laughs) from April to June of this year I did IT in an elementary school Mm. And that was the first time I had been in elementary school since I was in elementary school. Right. In elementary They're a lot school smaller student. than you remember, aren't they? Yeah. Like the buildings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ceilings, everything small. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. But I, I saw that too. I was like, okay. Mm, there was like, like a handful of really awesome teachers and then a bunch of really good teachers and uh-huh. then some, you know, that shouldn't be teaching, you know? Yep. You know, so you ran the gamb the the whole spectrum. You know, was there. Yeah, um, yeah. But the thing that really struck me was uh, I had another guy on, and he talked about um, how the millennial is more of a student um, student centered kind of less hmm, shut up and sit down and do what you're told sort of schooling mm-hmm. system. And uh, I don't, you know, that's not what I saw. So the old right. school sit down and shut up and don't move and look this way and, and all that, you know, you know, what really got me was like, it's like the, how the teachers were teaching them how to be ashamed and embarrassed, you mm. know, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I guess for I me, like, it was really, just... is that, is that part of the curriculum? I guess it is. <laughs> for me, it was, I really was excited to teach creativity Mm, right. I'm a really super creative person and I was excited to foster that in people, in, in students and to allow them to use their imagination because I think that that's what makes the technological advancements possible that my generation is so excited and optimistic about is the imagination because I, I, how are you going to create something new if you can't think of it? Right. And uh, but then with all of the politics and all of the tests and all of the standards and the, the core, you know, now it's all, all about a core curriculum. Let's call it just like the, the BS surrounding Well, it's, I mean, but it is what it is. I mean, it exists. It sucks and it's, but it's the politics and the, I think the curriculum is being designed by people who aren't actually educators or right. who aren't in the classroom every day or who, who don't have a, as much of a vested interest because they're elected or appointed, they just say the right things. And right, right. Um, I promise I'm not going to spend the rest of this time on my soapbox, but I'm going to just climb up here proudly for now. <laughs> um, it's Speak it, sister. You know, but I was so excited to have that creativity. And with all of these things and all of these developments, you don't have the time for that because you've got to get these kids to pass the test or you don't get paid or you get fired or you you don't get a raise or you're put on probation. And and so it's the teacher's fault that the students don't do well. And I am on board with accountability, but not like that. Don't tie my hands and then tell me what I did wrong. Right. And, you know, so, and I think that, you know, in today's world, they're they're taking so much of the responsibility and putting it on the teacher. They're taking it squarely off the parent's shoulders where it belongs because teaching starts at home. And I understand you've got to make up for socioeconomic gaps, and I am on board with that and doing what you can to create some social programs to help kids have a more even playing field, and I get it. But you're tying these you're, – you're making, a, a, you know – a suburban upper middle class school have to do the same things that an inner city school does. And that's not okay because there's different kids. Right. 
And if I can't tailor my curriculum to the lives that my children in my classroom lead, then I don't want any part of it. That's why I left. That's why I'm not a right. teacher. Yeah. Because the past, I mean, and I'm still super passionate and I, it, to this day, if something changed, I would go back and I would get my degree and I would go teach. Mm. Well, I hope. I mean, it depends I, on how much money my business makes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Well, you know, there is this whole, you know, I can't, I don't know how to say it, but the Montessori sort of like. Yeah, you know, the mastery method. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know much about it because I don't have kids, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I was never right. really all that interested in education mm-hmm. after I got out. I was like, yeah, right. I'm done with that crap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because it did. It's just so oppressive, you know, mm-hmm. the system as it is. And and yeah. and my, you know, recent brief experience, it, nothing changed. I mean, it was still right. very much like, you know, they were mm-hmm. bullying the kids, you know, all yeah. the time, all day, you know. Yeah. It, it yeah. you know, that doesn't work. That doesn't serve anybody. That's just me on my soapbox. So, and I don't really, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, so, yeah, I get it that it's hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Yeah, definitely a difficult problem we're not going to solve on a podcast, so let's move on. No, we will move on. (laughs) That was fun. I haven't been on a soapbox in a while. Usually I make my husband listen to me. (laughs) Good rant. He's gotten gotten really good at tuning me out. All right, well, now nobody can because this, you know, podcasts are like pee in the pool. It's out there. (laughs) It's not coming out. That's awesome. I'm never swimming again. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, so what's your what's your third veer if, All right, if you have any third left? Veer. I do, and All I don't right. know how much I don't know how much time we're gonna take, but I'll t- I'll keep talking until you tell me to stop. Well, we're at about forty minutes now. I usually do about an hour, so take your time. All right, we got, got time. Then. You've got Yay. time. Breathe. <sighs> so, um, after my time at Glazer Kennedy, I was working for a company. And it was a software company, so I actually got some some different kind of experience. I was working on the sales side, so marketing and sales, I got to really round it out. That's a nice thing. And I wasn't a big fan of the boss that I had. Um, I just felt like he was very good old boy kind of mm, kind of thing. Right. And of course, I just realized that this is out there, and anybody who knows me knows what boss I'm talking about. But I'm just going to say it because he, I felt like it, I wasn't a man, so I didn't have what it took. Uh-huh. That's what I thought he believed. Okay. And I got shushed in a meeting one time. Mm. Um, like literally the word shush. And um, I'm a powerful, independent. I'm not really, I mean, I guess I'm a feminist because I like equal quality and all that, but I'm not like, you know, a bra burner or anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm strong and I'm independent and I can take care of myself and you're not going to shush me in the middle of a meeting, especially when we're talking about marketing. And I used to run a marketing department, you big old jerk. Um, okay. <laughs> and at the time that he shushed me, an email pinged into my in my private email, like on my phone. Mm-hmm. And it was from a, a private freelance client saying, hey, I need a project manager. Do you want a job? Here's the pay. Like, do you want this job kind of thing? Like full-time job. And I just replied, yes. And I took the job. <laughs> Um, you're going to shush me in a meeting? I'm going to take another job. That's just how it's going to work, apparently. I love the timing. It was it was actually perfect. Because you were already killing him with your eyes, I would imagine. Oh, uh, yeah. It was <laughs> lucky it wasn't with my fists. Um, 
<laughs> and so I, I, of course, replied yes, and we had the conversation, and I took this job, and I left the company for another company, and it was a substantial pay raise, and it allowed me to work from home. Like, it was like a dream come true. That's awesome. For a month. Oh. And then they said, we're out of money, you are laid off. Oh. For a month. <laughs> and uh, that was great. And it was, um, I remember the date. It was March 31st, 2012. And the reason I rem- is there 31 days? Whatever. It was the last day of March. I don't think there are 31 days in March, are there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. However many Not days important. in March there are. Yeah, it was like, the last one. April 1st minus a day. There you go. <laughs> Whatever that is. It was the last day of March. And I remember this because um, it was uh, seven days before my wedding. Okay. So I had a brand new, soon, well, soon to be a brand new husband in a week. And I was getting ready to go on a, fort, you know, like a whirlwind European honeymoon. Like I didn't have time to look for a job, much less interview for a job and actually get a job. And so I um, didn't get one. I just said, I'm going to have my own business. And Good call. I, got off, I just, I was like, I'm going to just start a business. I don't, I don't have time to look for a job. So I'm going to. I'm going to just make my own job. And that was a little over three years ago, and I'm still going strong. And uh, my, uh, my new husband was very nervous about this, and, and, but he was on board. And so that well, was. Well, hopefully he had a job. He, great job, government job, health Yay. insurance. Yay. I, actually, I actually high fived him after the wedding because I had government health insurance. <laughs> That's great. I was like, yes, health insurance. Um, I mean, I had been like, you know, a week and a half without health insurance. It was terrifying. Mm. Um, But so it was, it was scary because here I was being, it was a change, but it wasn't on my own terms. And so I've, I've realized that I don't mind change as long as I'm the one making the change. Right. If it's on my, it's a control issue. I'm a little bit of a control you freak. Think? I have. Well, you didn't have to say yeah. you think yeah, about think? me being a control freak. Goodness, <laughs> I have realized that I am that type A. Like I need to be in charge personality. Mm. Um, I have realized this lately that I'm not as laid back as I thought I was, mm. and I'm I'm okay with it. But it was a change that I wasn't in control of, and that quite frankly scared the crap out of me because it's like big lifetime money issue change and here it's a whole new part of my life anyway right I mean I'm getting married and I'm getting we had just bought a house and uh, you're doing all the big girl stuff I was doing all the grown-up stuff like all at once too like married house we moved into our new house less than a month after we got married like it was all at once Mm. And the only reason it was that long is because our lease wasn't up on our condo. And, <laughs> you know, and then I'm starting a business. So I'm doing all of these things. And I went a couple months with no income, which was really scary. And it just, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was it's good really motivating. Good. It's very, very motivating, I would imagine. Well, I was going to say the outcome was good. And it was totally motivating. Like fear is a huge motivator. Right. I need to eat. Um, I, right? Like, all right, this food's not free, and BG&E does not take I- – Baltimore Gas and Electric. I'm sorry. The c- gas company doesn't take IOUs or, you know, right. neither does the mortgage company. Like, I've got to make money. Right, right. But 
it it was scary. And I think that that was really my first experience with that whole, um, you know, outside of your comfort zone is where things happen. Mm-hmm. And the scary stuff means that it's worth it. And all of those pithy little sayings that you see on pretty backgrounds on Facebook feeds, you know, all of those affirmations that if I'm scared, it's, it means that I'm going the right way. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that that was really my first experience with that, that, okay, it's, it's time to, to really go ahead and make it. I've got questions for you now. You can ask as many questions. Yeah, because here, here's where I'm at. I'm, I'm kind of like at the point where I'm doing this podcast, and uh-huh. I want to treat it like because I, you know, I, I'm a pretty avid listener to podcasts too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mostly like uh, Tim Ferriss. I I really love most of all of his shows, um, uh-huh. just because of the people that he has on, and then so basically putting together all these little bits and pieces of information yeah. are basically telling me who I am. Right. Right. Over and over and over again. So I don't think I'm like founder entrepreneur kind of person. I don't have that fire in my belly. I yeah. must make this thing. I'm not that guy. Yeah. So I'm okay with that now. Yeah. Uh, um, for a while I was like saying, why isn't this working? Well, of course it's not working. You're not that guy. You're not. It's totally okay. okay. It is totally okay. So, um, the, so now do I want to keep doing the podcast? The answer is yes, because I just enjoy the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. I get intrinsic sort of value personally. So Mm -hmm. whether or not it ever makes a dime, it's a really fun hobby. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that that's awesome. Right. Right. Yeah. And so if, if, you know, I need money to say like, keep my spouse, my spouse, then yeah. I'll, I'll get a job, you know, but that makes sense. Like an easy job, you know, like, you know, doing temp work in an elementary school and going, Hmm, <laughs> right, you know, you know, and it may be if, if, if the podcast ever makes money, great. If it doesn't, mm-hmm. that's okay too. And, and looking at the podcast more as, um, uh, have you ever heard of the lady, uh, the website uh, Brain Pickings? I haven't, but it sounds interesting. Well, it's this lady from uh, Bulgaria or something like that. Somewhere, <laughs> and now she's become a U.S. citizen. But it's a really cool site, right? And it's very mm-hmm. artistic and philosophical and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't make any money um, at all for like eight years or longer. Uh-huh. Um, and her only uh, revenue model is. Lots and lots of traffic, like crazy million hits yep. a month, and donations. Yep. Because she's just that awesome, right? I, a lot of people do that. I mean, musicians I don't know. do that. They're, yeah, it's a musician I model. I it's, it's more it well, yeah. It's like it's the art artistic model. It's like right. I, I, some people have like a business sort of model where it's just like the thing is called a product and the 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 more important thing is having a kick-ass product and then an awesome execution um framework to go with that product that's what business is and it's yep that you know i get that i'm not into it but i get it um the, the artist model is you know different because you're only creating for you and that that was yeah. her point the brain pickings lady is mm-hmm. um She's just writing to amuse herself. 
Mm-hmm. And if other people tend, uh, happen to like it, great. If not, meh. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's kind of like where I'm at now. And, and if nothing else, it's gotten me to chill out quite a bit. Well, I think too, you know, especially when you are in the entrepreneur world, and it's, I mean, it's the world I live in, so I see it every day. When you're in that world, it can almost feel like the the consensus is that if you work for someone else, you're a big ninny. Right. And I really, that's the one thing I really just hate about the entrepreneur world is that we've allowed that to, to be said and believed and, and implied and inferred. And Most entrepreneurs right have like employees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and the I ones think that, that are selling, you know, how to be an entrepreneur. That, that yeah. they're saying that. <laughs> right. No, that's they're, what they're, I mean. They're pooping yeah. on the ones that, that want to have jobs. But that's that, okay. Because they're talking really the to their people, I mean. you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it can also, if you're one of those people that is is searching for what you want to do and, and how right. you want to make it work. And maybe you're in a place where you've been laid off from your job and you're wondering if if having your own business and and being your own boss or <clears throat> excuse me I need need to get some water but being mm. your own business is right for you you can almost feel swayed by this all oh, working for someone else is the wrong decision right. language we need people to support the businesses right like that's commerce that's capitalism yeah. that's right. free market like that's free yeah. enterprise like yeah i think so, i think the whole world of work is changing it's mm-hmm. to the point now where like um, as the millennials take charge, you know, right now they're still young ish, you know, but right. they will age as long as humanity survives another that's, 20 or 50 years. Uh, that's, right. that's right. They will. And, and they'll, they'll, new they'll of people will show up. They too. will have. Yeah. But the, I think their models will assume the old ones, you know, they'll, yeah. they'll just sort of like take over and we won't have like the old, you know, the old ways anymore. They'll just sort of die off, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is good because I think their way of, uh, you know, sort of like treating everybody with like respect based on skill and talent and their ability to get shit done instead mm-hmm. of, you know, how long you've been here and, you know, how much loyalty you show, you know, that the old school bullshit, um, I think yeah. will go away. Yeah. Well, I, although have you ever heard about that? And you probably have because the whole psychology thing, but, um, I think there was a study that they did with monkeys and it could have been just a forward. I, I read a lot of information. The hundredth monkey thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a real study? The hundredth monkey thing? I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's real or not. (laughs) Go ahead and tell it. Okay, so apparently there were um, – I don't remember the exact details. So I'll Just say monkeys, up. yeah. There were some monkeys in a cage, and there was a, a, a button. And every time you push the button, uh, one of the monkeys got shocked or whacked in the head with a mallet or something. Right, and, right, right. Um, I like the mallet because it's a better visual. So we'll go with that. The big mallet came out and hit a monkey in the head. And, <laughs> and it went <laughs> – yeah, yeah, and yeah. fell down the steps, and sure. the other monkeys had to nurse him back to health. And so – Eventually, as monkeys do, they grew older and they passed and new monkeys happened. And if you need to know how that happened, it's a different podcast. But Right. <laughs> so then the new monkey would be introduced and would go to push the button and he would get conked in the head. And this happened for a couple generations. But then 
around the time of uh, a, a couple generations after that, uh, the monkeys just started tackling the new monkeys as they went to go push the button. Right. Instead of letting them push the button and learn to get conked in the head by this mallet. And so eventually, the monkeys just started tackling each other. Like, there was no pushing of the button. The button never got pushed. You got tackled before then. And no monkeys existed that had ever been hit in the head with the mallet. It was just like, you'll get tackled if you try to push the button. And the reason we tackle you is because that's the way it's always been done. Right. And so I think that's why I'm thinking it's one of those like forwarded emails that makes its way around companies. Like it's sent by all your peer coworkers, never to the right. bosses. Like, ha ha ha, look, we're a bunch of monkeys. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not no, I, I think that might have been based on an actual study, but, but it's there, watered it down. Sounds, it, right. I feel like it's very unscientific the way I've said it, obviously. But yeah. I wonder if there's part of the way we do things that are just the way that they're done because that's the way they've been done because people don't go out there and break the rules. Like when I was, mm. I took, I was a, I double majored in psychology for the year and a half after my, um, my switch, my veer. Yeah. Um, I was a double major in English and psych with a minor in creative writing. So copywriting is actually makes a lot of sense now, Yay. but one of my psychology classes had us do a, a, a social experiment to go out into the lunch, the cafeteria or where a public place and eat a banana sideways, peel the banana and eat it like a cob of corn. <laughs> okay. Just to see the looks you get. Right. And I did it because that sounded hilarious. It and, is hilarious. I'm going to do that now. Right. <laughs> see the looks you get. People yeah. look at you like you're baddie because sure. that's not how you eat a banana everybody knows how you eat a banana right but why what makes eating well, it sideways because wrong? that's just how you do it there we go so <laughs> until somebody has the courage to go out and start eating bananas sideways i don't honestly here's the cynicism are you, mm, are you ready I'm with this you. is what I'm, makes I'm, me I'm, I'm, yeah, I, Gen Xer. I love it what is going to change who right. has the courage to go out and eat the banana sideways yeah okay i get you but, okay, so let's let that. I'm now, sorry. I no, yeah, no, it. I broke. You broke my brain. You, you broke my brain. I didn't mean to break your brain. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. Um, but this, the, I, I want to answer it with a story about monkeys. Okay. So that, yeah, I know this is awesome. I love it. It's bananas. Um, okay, so the other story that I heard about monkeys that I thought you were going to say was the hundred monkey story, the hundredth monkey story. Oh, so. Maybe I yeah, okay. So, okay. So, um, and I want to be brief uh, and accurate as possible. So, if anybody out there, you know, you want to dog my uh, 100th monkey story, yeah, please. Okay. So, the idea here is that uh, there's a bunch of monkeys on a beach somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the, the researchers throw rice, uh, cooked rice, out on the beach and it, it gets all up in the sand, right? And the monkeys are like eating the rice and liking the rice. Um, and then um, one of them has an aha moment and grabs a handful of sand, including a bunch of rice, right? Mm -hmm. And runs over to the water and drops the sand and rice into the water and all the rice floats. Mm -hmm. And the sand sinks, and then he can just scoop up the rice. And then he has a little monkey hurrah moment, and everybody starts doing it. Because <laughs> uh -huh. it's a so much easier method of eating the rice, right? Mm -hmm. So um, 
the idea here is that um, as more monkeys around the world learn this method, um, the hundredth monkey, there's like this sort of like species sort of like um, transmission method that nobody understands. That's the Mm -hmm. idea anyway, that once you get a certain number of monkeys that know a behavior, all monkeys suddenly spontaneously after that will know that sort of behavior. Does that make Hmm. sense? It's a little it does spooky. Make sense. It's a little spooky. That is spooky. Right? And I know it's not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it feels like if it we're the monkeys, be. no, if it, it feels like if we're the monkeys, then like I like to think of this as like um like an evolutionary thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like to me when I look around at people doing podcasts and just the way millennials act and move through the world, mm-hmm. uh, they give me like faith. And uh, an optimism, you know, for the future, because they have new creative ideas um, and they seem a little bit more mindful, uh, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm thinking that the um, if that hundredth monkey, if there's anything to that, then the, the trick that we might learn is this um, new sort of. Hmm, more mindful, meditative kind of like recognition uh, and moving through the world more um, altru- altruistically. I can't, there's a, there's a word I can't say and I'm from Michigan. <laughs> With more altruism. There we go. <laughs> altruistically. I can say there, that one. You can say that one. I can say that and one. And I can it's say naivete. That, that's weird. That's a weird word. <laughs> naivete. I don't know. It's French or something. You just said it. I know I did. That's because I heard you just say it. And uh-huh. I just mimicked you. Well, uh, monkey see, monkey do. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I think, honestly, when you're, when you're telling that story and, and f- thinking about what would be the hundredth monkey thing is really, I see a lot of companies and people and businesses really learning how millennials think and how they operate and what makes them tick. Yeah. And then beginning to tailor. Yeah. And so maybe that's really what the hundredth monkey is going to be is the fact that other generations are saying, okay, these are, this is a diff- totally different operating system. Like yes. this isn't, this isn't even like windows eight to windows 10. This is like windows 95 to windows 12, right. totally different operating system. Right. We've jumped over to a Mac at this point and mm. we've got to get on board. I we've think got like, to at least like the, understand the it. best companies that are out there now are using you know, they're using millennials or utilizing, you know, employing uh-huh. millennials at a really, you know, where the millennials are happy and productive mm-hmm. and super creative, like Google, you know, um, right. and companies like that and Valve, um, where they, yeah. they, uh, they, get, they get millennials and they sort of like, the whole company isn't millennial-esque, right? It's not. There are layers. Right. They just keep the, they just keep them invisible. I think from the millennials and within their little peer groups and work groups, everything's flat and, uh, and it's all just based on who's the best at Ruby on rails. Me. All right, you're in charge. Let's do this. And then it's all playful and creative and fun. Um, and that's cool. There's bosses above them making sure they do all that very Gen X boomer esque. <laughs> well, and I think that that's that a hybrid model. Be, yeah. It's a little unfair to, to the millennials at some point. I mean, I, and this is really where I experience the disconnect is I get the reason that things are done in the boomery and Gen X-y way. Mm-hmm. And I don't need 
to be the boss just because I'm, I mean, if I'm the best at something, I like it when you say I'm the best at something, but I get that like there's a hierarchy for a reason. And I understand you've been here longer, you know, the ropes more. And, and as long as I can contribute and you don't shush me in the middle of a marketing meeting, I'm good. Right. You know, um, that's the thing that needs to go really is the whole like, um, like boss subordinate sort of situation. Well, I think, I mean, I, I think too, there's maybe be edited and, and, you know, I think we could probably wax philosophical and sociological and all that, that about this for a long time, but (laughs) just because I'm in a generation that may think a little bit differently than previous generations doesn't mean we don't still have to coexist and live and work together. We do. Yeah. And I think that while the responsibility does fall on some businesses to make sure they're utilizing and employing millennials in the best way, the responsibility is also on the millennials to ensure that they're get with the freaking program. (laughs) And and I understand that you got a trophy just for playing the the peewee baseball game, but you shouldn't have. I'm sorry, you didn't win. And well, like, you're on a soapbox again. I'm sorry. Maybe this is again why I'm not a teacher because no, you don't get a trophy, you ungrateful little jerk. Um, oh, you're good. killing me. So I think that there's really a delicate blend, and, and no, for real. Yeah, I think, I think it's that, it's, yeah. it's where you know. Um, I, I had this other little insight. Are you a fan of the uh, District Nine movie, and then Chappie and Elysium? All these movies coming out of South Africa. Have you seen any of those? I remember. Dis- yeah, District Nine was the one with the alien, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I yeah. Did that you movie like it? it? Okay, made so me cry. so go see Elysium. Elysium. Okay, um, it's with Matt. Matt. <laughs> Another pronunciation issue. Yeah, good. I know. <laughs> it's but it's good because they all uh, in both of those movies I watched um, Elysium and then Chappie like back to back streaming, and um, they're all of the characters up and down hero baddie. They're all acting out of self interest. Mm-hmm. And that's just so, hmm, it's like, oh, darn it. Let's just keep talking because my phone's ringing. Hold on. Bookmark. I'm going to go turn it off. All right. I don't know if I'm supposed to keep talking for a podcast or if I'm just going to sit here quietly, but I like District 9. If you haven't seen the movie, it's a really good movie. It's made me cry, though. This is why I don't podcast, because I can't fill time. So I'm just going to sit and ramble. District 9 was a really good movie. I saw Maleficent the other day. That was a good movie, too. But he was talking about self-interest, and I think we do need to kind of band together as, like, a world. Band together as a world? Yeah. I didn't know if I was supposed to keep talking or not, so I talked about District 9, and then I mentioned that Maleficent was a good movie, and I don't have a podcast because I really suck at filling time. No, that's okay. I can cut this crap out. It's no big deal. Or leave it in. It'll be funny. Um, it is kind of, it's like a little blooper reel. There you go. There you Might go. Might be a little super surprise in the middle of a podcast. It's up to you. I don't know. Yeah. Mind. So I'm anyway, I, I, I just thought it was refreshing that even the hero yeah. was, and, and everybody involved was, they were, everybody was acting out of self-interest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that is kind of like a, a recent epiphany is like, I talked to this lady and um, and she's a, a lama in the Tibetan uh-huh. uh, Buddhism tradition. Okay. And, uh, and 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 she talked a lot about how we can you know 
use meditation and practice and philosophy to move towards that point in our lives where we actually want to behave mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and be good. Right. And because mm-hmm. we know it is ultimately good for us and yeah. it improves us and makes us better people if we're not, you know, drunk and drugged out and, you know, fat and lazy and all those bad things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but really even in her model, um, she talked about how like their future lives and you, you're doing this so you get merit. And if you don't, then you might, you know, be reincarnated in the lower realm. So even in her model, the altruism was coming out of self-interest. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Um, I was at church on Sunday. Okay. And so we're going to actually go with two totally different ways to get to the same point. Okay. I love Talking it. about service in church. Okay. And scriptural basis of service and how um, the, using uh, Joseph, the, the one with the amazing Technicolor dream coat. Right. And how he was very prideful and then was sold into slavery. And then he actually came, was like the leader of the slaves. And then he was something else and he was the head of the house. And then he was working for the, the pharaoh and he was the king of like, you know, head of head servant of the pharaoh and so he worked his way up by serving and so the whole point was climbing down the ladder in order to serve better instead of serving from the top and that's the basis but one of the things that the pastor ended um, the day with was that in the bible service is actually like these blueprints in there are how to be prosperous like it says, if if any of you wants to be great, show him how to serve. He's saying, if you want to be successful, I'm going to show you how to do it. This is good for you, right? To serve, yeah. And it's the, like when you mentioned your story, it was very similar to that. That like it's okay to want what's best for yourself. Here's how you're going to get it, and it's going to be by helping everybody else, exactly by helping other people, right? And I think that. You know, really, there's been a, a an attitude of zero sum in the world. Right. And that if I don't have it, that means somebody took it from me. Mm-hmm. Or I can make this money because it's not being made by somebody else. Like, you know, you get upset when your coworker gets a raise because that means you won't get one. Mm-hmm. And that's a zero sum way of thinking instead of like, it's okay, there's resources, like there's money for everyone. We just all mm-hmm. have to have it. Right. And so it... It's okay for me to help you make money because that'll help me make money too. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and so that's it was so so interesting that that you said that because literally just this past Sunday had this. Yeah, I think that's ceremony. that's an evolutionarily. I think that's where we're going. Is I think that, so too. that we're going to realize that it's in everybody's best interest for everybody to be better. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's that. What is it? The broken windows. Uh huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, fix, point. if you fix the broken windows, then everything yeah. gets better. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you sell a house for a high value, and all the other values on the house on the street go up. Mm-hmm. So true. So it's it's good for everyone to fix up their front yards because it helps you, but it helps everyone, but it helps you, but it helps everyone. Mm-hmm. It's this so. big circle of help. Oh, we got it's, so kumbaya. Oh, I, we did. It's so I was looking at a Lion King shirt today, actually. So we want to hold up a little cat. I have a bunch of cats in my house. I can hold one up if you want. We Seriously. better stop talking. I know. 
we're going off. Okay, going so off before you go, you have to do me a new bumper. I have to do your new bumper. Okay. That's right. So uh, let's before before we do that though, we'll go ahead and end the show. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, Alex and Le- Al- Allison Lex. Allison, <laughs> why can't I speak today? Thank you so much for hanging out with me. You are at rockyourmarketing.com. Am I still right? Am I right? Uh, you are still right. I'm still there. You can find me and social links on the contact page. So Roger that's Dodger. the best way to find me. Cool. And I will put links to uh, your stuff, your URL, your website uh, on the show notes for this page. You have an awesome day and, uh, and I look forward to chatting again soon. I had so much fun. Thank you for having me and uh, I look forward to hearing it. All right, cool. Say it. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.